Is it real? Is it true? What does Jesus promise? That's the question we're going to ask today. That's a question that, that Joseph, I imagine, asked, can this be true? And if you don't know who that guy is on the video, his name is Zach King. You can look him up. He has tons of videos just like that that are amazing and wonderful. But Joseph had a real question. He had a, he had a plan. He had an idea in mind of what was going to happen. And this miracle birth of his fiancée wasn't quite in his plan. And the miraculous birth of Jesus for centuries and centuries really has not been disputed. It, it has been an accepted fact that God became human. He left, as we've heard, the glory of heaven. And thank you, Dylan. Mary did know. In case you didn't catch that earlier in the spoken word. But this miracle of heaven was real. And even today, millions and millions of people except the virgin birth, the truth that God became man for you and me. And today I want us to look at the passage in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter one is where we'll be. But as we think about this story that every time we come to December, uh, we hear, if you're in church, you hear this story over and over and over again. And so if you're 10, you've heard it 10 times. Uh, if you're 70 and you've been in church all of your life, you've heard it 70 times or more. We hear it all the time. But the story should never dull for us. It, it should never become routine. It, it should be as miraculous today as it was the first time we heard it. Because there was one nondescript carpenter who got to experience it firsthand. He was confronted with the reality of his fiancée being pregnant, and he wasn't the father. Now, there's a story for the Hallmark Channel, maybe HBO Max. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 1 and revisit this story that we know again and again. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that prophecy that is quoted there comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I'd like to read it to you again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, this is the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name 
Emmanuel. And the prophet goes on to talk about his eating habits as the virgin-born son. But you might imagine this is strange and odd news, probably unsettling for this carpenter. What in the world is going on? This isn't how I planned it. Have you ever said that? This isn't how I planned it. This wasn't a part of my plan. I doubt that Joseph had this grand plan that God would give him a son through his virgin fiance. That's probably not on any of our plans because believe me, the virgin birth is as unbelievable in that era as it is in our era. They knew biology in the first century, depending on how you want to do your calendar, before Jesus or you know, after Jesus. But this was a kink in the plan. This was a problem. But so often when we encounter difficulties and plans change, it's simply God offering us a promise of adventure, an adventure in faith, an adventure to, to connect with him, an unplanned adventure perhaps, but one that has eternal consequence. And so let me remind you that we work our plan but God always wants to give us himself. We may work our plans, but God always wants to give us himself. And that's what God was promising Joseph in this moment, was himself. God with him. And Joseph didn't understand all that. He couldn't comprehend in that moment. I imagine he was having all kinds of emotions run through his mind, anger, frustration, confusion, hurt. What do I do? How do I make this right? What is my plan? And God simply was telling him, I'm with you. And it's in this moment that you see the character of Joseph. There's an important phrase in this passage that we read, and her husband Joseph being a just Man, just, upright, and righteous. He was a man of truth. That's what the original language implies, that he was a man of truth, that he desired to follow the law of God, to, to follow after God, to remain true to his heavenly father. And so in that, he still wants to work his plan, right? Because when things go wrong for us, we try to scramble and make a new plan. So he has a new plan. And his new plan, because he's a just man, his new plan is to respect his fiancée and divorce her quietly. His new plan is to show her mercy, to not give her what she deserved. That's what mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. And so he chose to divorce her quietly because he could have made a public spectacle out of her. He could have gone all over the first century Facebook and just told her how awesome and wonderful she was, not really, and told all of his friends and his countrymen and his family how horrible she is, that she's an adulteress, so much so that she could have been stoned to death, killed for her indiscretion. That's what he could have done. 
I know none of us would ever do something like that. We would all show mercy. Being just, a just man, he shows mercy. Let me challenge you, church, that we should be people of mercy. And even though we have the opportunity to prove, to demand, to carry out our rightness, our justice, perhaps the right thing to do is to demonstrate mercy and grace, to demonstrate loving kindness, to show respect even when others don't show respect to us. Because Joseph refused to shame her. And it's a reminder that in the hard moments of life, God wants to teach us something. He wants to give us himself and he wants us to draw close to him. And so in those hard moments, let God teach you. Let God show you himself and allow yourself to draw near to him. Because the scripture gives opportunity over and over and over again for that kind of example. For, for life to be hard and difficult. For God to, to be present with that person. And to show them a different way, a better way. A way that honors him and honors others. Think about Abraham, the old man who finally had a kid. And what does God ask him to do? Go up to the mountain and worship with him. And Abraham is faithful to take his son. And then God, in the last moment, provides a sacrifice for him. Think about Joseph, the cool kid with the awesome coat. His brothers hated him. His life is a wreck, and then he ascends, and then he gets falsely accused and put in jail, and then everybody forgets about him. And rather than abandon the God that he knows, no, he stays true, and God honors that, restores his family, restores his power and his position. Our buddy Job, who lost his family, he lost his wealth and his health. That's a different kind of sermon. And his friends told him, just curl up and die. You're just a big sinner. And he refused and he stayed faithful and true in the hard moments, hard, hard moments of life. Paul in the New Testament, the enemy of God, who miraculously comes to faith in Jesus Christ and then goes out and, and shares the gospel all across the known world and time and time again, he has difficulty and struggle. He's shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a snake. He's stoned and left for dead and, and he's rejected and he has this thorn in his flesh that we don't know exactly what it is, but he continued to be faithful and true. In the hard moments of life, that reminds you, church, that God wants to teach us. He wants to be close to us, and he wants us to draw close to him. And God was offering Joseph that opportunity in this moment. And so he steps into Joseph's life in a dream. An angel appears to him. We don't know exactly who this angel is, maybe Gabriel, but he's unnamed. 
And he says six important things to Joseph that help us understand God's purpose for each of us. He says, Joseph, son of David. If you're a right in your Bible kind of person, you just circle that phrase, son of David. Because that phrase in itself matters immensely. That is an eternal statement that he makes. Because where is the Messiah going to come from? The line of David. The house of David. And for God to proclaim Joseph, son of David, says to all the nation of Israel, right? Because that's who this promise is for. That's who Jesus is for. The nation of Israel first. Salvation comes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The promise is for the promise for a nation. And so they would have understood that the Messiah had to come from the house of David. And so what does God do? God honors the stepfather of the Savior in this moment. Son of David. To show all the nation of Israel that Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy One of God, is the Savior. He is from the house of David. He is the one who has come to fulfill prophecy. And God honors the faithfulness of this carpenter. And you did know and take comfort that God will always always honor our faithfulness to him always you may not see it in the moment it may not happen right then but God honors our faithfulness to him he will not let you slip he will not forsake you he will not give up on you he will not leave you hanging he will be with you as you and I remain faithful, he is always there. And he assures Joseph in that one statement, Joseph, I'm with you. You're critical to the birth of the Messiah. You're important. Don't think you're getting left out or pushed aside. No. I'm with you. Son of David, do not fear. God's constant reminder to us all the time, all throughout Scripture, do not fear, do not be afraid. I know this seems crazy and wild and unbelievable, and there's going to be people talking about behind your back, your wife's back, and your kid's back for their entire life. Anybody had that happen to you? I know we never talk about each other, do we, behind our backs. But it happened in the, old, in the New Testament. For the rest of your life, this is going to be an unanswerable question, except God did this. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be frustrated. Don't be anxious. Don't second guess. Don't lash out. Do not fear. Take comfort. I'm with you. Take Mary as your wife. Follow through with your plan. Follow through. You ever hit a roadblock and just stopped? Just quit? Oh, well, God will handle the rest, right? That's what Joseph could have done. Okay, God, you got this. Uh, you, you just take Mary, let her be born, or Jesus be born, I'm good. 
No, follow through with the plan. When times are hard, God still says, follow through with your plan. Take Mary as your wife because this is going to be a supernatural birth. This is a birth from the Holy Spirit. She is a virgin. This is a miracle of God. And the only way, this is the only way that God could bring salvation to you and me. That he would leave the glory of heaven and become a man, fully God, fully human. And we could spend the next seven years talking about that statement right there, but we won't today. I know you want to be here till three or four, but the virgin birth helps us understand the miracle of the divinity of Jesus, the divine nature of Christ, that he is 100% God. He's not something less than God. He's not just like God's only son. No, he is God. And he is fully man. Completely able to identify with you and me in every way except for one, and that is sin because of his divine nature. This is supernatural, Joseph. This is, this is a miracle. And so hang in there. Your son will be God. He is God. And he is man. And his name is Jesus, which means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. And that's why he came, right? He came so that he would take away the sins of the people. He would save his people. And who are his people? The Israelites. The nation of Israel are his people. He's Jewish. But the good news for you and me, because there's not too many Israelis here today, I don't think, or online, the good news for you and me is that he came not just to save his people, he came to save all people, everyone from their sin. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so today, if you're here in person or online and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, let me invite you today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the miracle of Jesus so that God will be with you always. That happens. We put our faith in him. We ask him to forgive us of our sin, right? To save his people from their sin. We need salvation. We are frail, broken humanity. And God desires to restore us, to make us whole, to give us an abundant life here on earth and eternal life with him. And simply, he says, follow me. Place your faith in Jesus. He desires to bring you new life, salvation. He is the Messiah, the Holy One, He's coming. He has come for you and me to deliver us from our sin. That's the beauty of the Christmas story. That God came for you and me. The Messiah was born. And his name is Emmanuel. 
And he quotes there after he tells Joseph those five or six things in that dream. He quotes that passage in Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And all of those things the angel was telling Joseph was simply to do one thing, right? Not just to calm Joseph down, but to fulfill prophecy. That's what angels usually did. They helped foretell prophecy and they say, oh, this is going to happen. It's real. You can trust it. It's going to happen. And so he says, call his name Emmanuel. And if you don't know, that word Emmanuel is actually three words jammed together into one. I-M-M is us, excuse me, with, M, with, a new, us, L, God. If you ever heard the word Elohim or that great, I think Amy Grant sang it way back when, uh, L is God. So literally, it's with us, God. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And today, a story you've heard Time and time and time again that God is with us. He's with us. But I wonder, has your life had an interruption this year? Maybe it's been one big interruption in 2020. I wonder how often we've thought about God with us, Emmanuel. Then in the interruption of the world that we live, the chaos of our culture right now, that let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, is not gonna get better over time. It doesn't. Because we don't put our trust in the culture or politics or the government or whoever. We don't do that. And so may we not expect the culture and the political landscape and life as we know it to get so much easier. No, life is probably going to get harder. And so do we trust as Joseph trusts? Can you imagine being Joseph in a first century culture? No, but have you had an interruption The answer is yes. Without COVID, without the election, without all the things that are happening, you would have had interruptions this year. You might have had an interruption today or this week. I know some of you had a big interruption this week. And God reminds us all the time, not just at Christmas, that he's with us. He's for us. He wants us to draw close to him because the interruption to Joseph wasn't just for that moment. That interruption was actually a promise, a promise for that day and a promise for eternity. And that's what God offers you and me, a promise for today and a promise for eternity. And his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God is a God of the promise. He made a promise. He kept his promise to the nation of Israel, and he keeps his promise to us that Jesus is our Savior. And so I invite you today to trust in the God that is with you. Trust in him.
If you're anxious and nervous, if you're mad and angry, if your life is perfect right now, trust in the God who is with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you today to put your trust in the God who desires to walk with you each and every moment and each and every day for now and eternity. You would put your trust in him and your trust in nothing else because everything else fades. But the power and the love and the might in the presence of our Heavenly Father. So trust in the God that is with you today and every day. Will you pray with me?